0: Welcome to episode 4 of FPJ Stories, with me, Michael Barker. My guest this month is Dan Parker, Chief Executive of VegPower. Now VegPower has been doing some extraordinary work in building the market for veg, generating new excitement for vegetables among children, and gaining unprecedented marketing coverage through its fantastic Eat Them To Defeat Them campaign. We're going to hear all about that find out what comes next for the initiative and hear why it needs the whole industry to come together to support the cause. We'll also discuss Dan's rather unusual personal journey from a career marketing junk food to the light bulb moment that inspired him to switch to being such a passionate advocate of healthy eating. It's a fascinating story and I hope you'll enjoy it. You're listening to the podcast version of this recording To watch the video version, head on over to fpj.co.uk or search Fresh Produce Journal on YouTube. But now, on with the show. Hello Dan, thanks so much for joining us on FPJ Stories, especially because you've been super busy with veg power at the moment, haven't you? You've you've got a massive amount going on with the project.
1: We have, we've just launched an activity book which has got out 250,000 kids. We're getting ready for the next Eat and Defeat and campaign in February, where we've got 300 million pounds, 300 million pounds, three million pounds worth of, uh, of TV advertising. And we've also just launched a, a new funding model. Uh, so we are we have a lot going on in the world of veg
0: power. Goodness me, that's that's a heck of a lot. So let's go back to the beginning. Tell us a bit about for anybody that doesn't know what exactly is veg power. What was it set up to achieve and, and who's behind the organisation?
1: So if we if we go back three years, uh, an organisation called the Food Foundation runs a project called Peace Please, which is about getting more vegetables into the supply side of the food system so that we can get the country eating more veg. Because we have a, a critically low level of vegetable consumption, particularly with with kids, uh, where as, as much as 33 percent of kids are eating less than one portion a day, which is it's, it's, it's actually dangerous for their health to be eating that small amount of vegetables. And the Food Foundation, for a bit of fun, decided to run a poster competition to create a poster for vegetables. And it actually brought together initially uh, two people from quite different worlds. It brought together Hugh Fernie Whittingstall as a judge, who's campaigned so passionately around these issues, and Sir John Hegarty, the advertising legend, as judges. And a conversation started that says, actually, you know what? Veg really needs a brand manager. And so the Food Foundation took hold of that a bit and and i knew the food foundation and i was at a point in my life where i was looking for a new thing to do so i, I took on the project saying, well let, let's get this thing going and the and so the purpose of Edge power becomes it is it is not for profit organization it's not a traditional uh food marketing board it's a not-for-profit organization at its heart it has a a charitable purpose about improving the health and well-being of the nation particularly kids and and we set it up with this with this unique model to then go and use marketing and advertising in its many, many different forms to bring forward a generation of children who have a different, more positive attitude to vegetables who who would in turn influence their parents today and influence their own children in the future. Mm.
0: It's, I mean, it's a fantastic objective, um, and we're going to talk in more detail a little bit later about the the specifics of what you're getting up to and stuff, but I'm quite interested in hearing about how you became involved in the project, because in fact, you're actually a marketing man by trade, but just looking down your CV at some of the brands that you've worked with in the past, we've got McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Pizza Hut, Diageo, Jack Daniels, some brilliant food and drink brands, but not necessarily what you would call healthy eating. So so what inspired you to move over to to, to campaign for more vegetable consumption?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably middle-aged is probably probably the honest (laughs) answer. I mean, I I, I worked in in food marketing for most of my life with many of the biggest brands and and lots of the the grocers. And uh, I owned my own agency with about 50 people doing lots of work for those companies. And then about... um, Five, six years ago, I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which is, uh, runs heavily within the genes in my family. Um, and it what it actually did is it forced me to step outside of my bubble. And I was in, I mean, we all live in bubbles, right? I was in the Soho advertising bubble, where we never meet old people, or children, or sick people, or old people, you know, none of those people exist in the world of, of Soho advertising. And it, it forced me to step outside of that. And the cure, natural curiosity I had wanted to learn everything about the condition I have and what I could do about it and really, really study it and read every book. And I learned very quickly that there was a there was this massive great crisis in obesity, which I think we we're all a lot more aware of now than we maybe were five years ago. And actually, there are 15 million people in the UK who have some form of non-communicable diseases, most of which are based in diet, which is cancer and diabetes and heart disease and others. So it sort of occurred to me that actually, you know what, I was, I was part of the problem, and ironically, part of the problem that had old, had killed my dad, had killed my aunt, that my brother was inflicted with as well, and I was actually part of the problem there. So I decided I would close down my agency, and I want I sat there and said, "Well, I'm good at this, and I would like to use the skills I have to try and make the world a, a better and healthier place." So I started volunteering for Jamie Oliver on a project called Sugar Smart. Uh, which is obviously about getting kids to to maybe eat a little bit less sugar. And then when this project came along, um, and, and Anna Taylor from the Food Foundation came and said, Look, we, we, we think we should try and do more to get the world to eat more vegetables. I said, Well, this is this is perfect. This allows me to do the thing that I'm good at and I love, which is about communicating about food, but actually to do it in in the area of the most important food that people should eat. And so it really hit sort of a massive passion point and a massive desire to do something positive in society, which, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely love doing.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's a massive change. It sounds like it was a real light bulb moment for you and, and a, a time to make a total change. Um, but of course you're not a complete uh, new entrant to the fresh produce sector either, because uh, I gather you, you did a bit of fruit picking yourself as a, as a kid. Is that right? And in fact, Once there's more than that too. your connection to horticulture, isn't there?
1: <laughs> there is. I mean, so I grew up in the Sussex countryside. Um, and I spent my life, my holidays and my weekends, really probably from about the age of 13, uh, picking. Uh, so down at Barkham nurseries, picking lots of tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. In the summer, would be out in the fields picking black currants, which is a proper day's work. It has to be said, that's tar graft, and a bit of hay bedding and things of that nature. And then when I I I got to about the age of 18, I went off to university. I actually spent my my university career uh working for a florist. Uh you find me most Saturdays down New Common Garden market, a bit of wheeler dealing with the boys down there and and buying up the flowers and the plants we needed to run the business. Uh, and, and that's that's kind of how I spent my youth. And when I when I when I left university is when I started getting into marketing and advertising and, and working for those bigger brands.
0: Wow. I mean it's it's quite interesting to get your perspective because you know, one thing that is leveled occasionally at the horticulture industry is that is that we don't get a lot of people coming in from outside. As a marketer who, who's dealt with those massive brands, what was your first impression of the way that the fresh produce industry markets itself? And, you know, are you surprised to see that there aren't more brands and things in the fresh produce
1: sector? Yeah, I mean, so I think, when it comes to vegetables, I think there's quite a notable difference of vegetables compared to maybe some other places in the press producing. Is the first shock is the fact that it doesn't market itself. Mm. I mean, the, there are small uh, product-specific campaigns, but the budgets they have and the reach they have it is pretty hard to really get into the awareness of people in general. But actually, you look at it and go, well, there isn't really much in the way of brands. There isn't really much in the way of of marketing. And also, then, when you when you dig a little deeper, you realise that actually, there isn't a culture of marketing within the organisations that sit at the heart of it, which are the people who make the vegetables. There, uh, there isn't really many people who've got much sense of marketing within those organisations. In fact, the opposite is—I would actually say that many uh, certainly two or three years ago would be very very cynical about the benefits of marketing. We also then have some much more structural challenges that there are very little aware brands. It is unlikely um, that brands will become established. It's very hard to establish a brand because of the relationships that exist across the supply chain. There is incredibly tight margins that mean that it's very hard to invest in marketing. I mean, mean, you consider any major consumer good like breakfast cereals or chocolate bars or burgers, those organizations spend about 13% of the turnover of their sector on marketing their product. So given the value of the veg industry, if it wants to compete with other food products, we're talking about spending hundreds of millions of pounds, which just simply isn't happening and isn't going to happen. Right? What also surprised me was the, the really fundamental lack of understanding of the consumer that's I think the space has become it's a commodity product. It's a commodity product for the consumer. It's the third choice about what goes in the plate. It's pretty much price driven. Uh, there isn't generally a great deal of care in the selection of the veg that people pick. And then they wonder why their carrots don't taste it very much because they're buying them at the wrong time of year. Uh, And so it's the the commodity item on people's plates. And therefore, that ripples across the whole supply chain. That what really matters most to the supermarkets is the price, because that's what matters to their customers. Therefore, the pressure on the grower is always on the price and on the margin, rather on the quality and on the way the food is produced. And so it's got this vicious circle of a kind of commodity business that is just a race to the bottom in terms of quality if you're not careful. And that, that is part of the thing that we need to try and reverse.
0: Yeah, indeed. And one of the key things about that, I mean, you, you talk about that that disparity between what the big brands can spend and what the, uh, what the horticulture or the vegetable sector specifically can spend. And that's where I guess the Eat Them to Defeat Them campaign has really stood out in that Certainly for the first time I can remember, we've got a vegetable industry campaign going head to head, prime time TV, uh, celebrity support. Well, I mean, to be honest, the celebrity support is something completely, completely different. I'd like to talk to you about that separately. But how did it come about that you managed to get all these different big hitters to support the campaign, ITV? uh the the adam and eve and so on tell us a bit about that that process and i think i think there's a three-part formula to that
1: yeah what's what is very very interesting for vegetables right now is it is eat more veg is part of the solution to many of the biggest issues of the day so childhood obesity covid climate change brexit Well, you know, these are some of the very, very big issues of the day. And veg is not only part of the solution, but in some ways it's actually kind of the safest part of the solution because nobody disagrees with eating more veg. It's not full of of, of, of tripwires for chief executives to get behind it as a mission, as an issue, unlike other things to do with junk food marketing, for example, or carbon emissions or airline travel or the other things that people might get behind. So what we've actually got is a golden issue That that is so of this moment in time that it presents an opportunity to the sector. Now, coupled with that, we have the advantage that there was an immense amount of goodwill for what we do and an immense amount of support from people like John Hegarty, Hugh Fernie, which is still Jamie Oliver, Baroness Boycott, very well connected and influential people. And then again, I I think the probably thing that that also separates us from most other health projects and possibly even other fresh produce marketing projects is that Joe Ranning and I who who worked on this are um, we're very entrepreneurial well you know we're absolute blaggers we will phone up anybody and shamelessly ask them for anything and we will you know I make jokes with people that the most basic requirement of somebody whose job it is to get kids to eat more veg is persistence so please excuse me if I call you for the 25th time but <laughs> this is my job right and so we just get out there and we do it now what happened to us is after we We kicked off with a crowd fund, which created a lot of publicity and bought uh, some organisations to project who may not otherwise have come. And where we had a moment of, I think, of great fortune is off the back of that crowd fund, we got a phone call from ITV who said, we really like what you're doing. How can we get involved? And we went and met with them. And uh, Joe shamelessly said, yes, you can give us millions of pounds worth of free TV advertising. And ITV went, yeah, okay." Okay. Uh and then they also have come in, they've been amazing partners who've been who given so much more than free space. They've really helped shape this idea. And then a big TV campaign acts like a kind of a flag that everybody else rallies to. So it pulls in the celebrities and the poster campaign and the digital campaign and the schools and everything else. So ITV gave us this massive great leg up that, that we have used as a magnet to put in everything else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean he- had some priceless celebrity support. I mean, tell us some of the names who, who, who've associated themselves with this campaign, even if just for a few seconds on TV.
1: Yeah, it's sure. Stronger. So, I mean, uh, Anton Deck, I mean, Anton Deck, primetime, Saturday night, eating your product and saying your catchphrase is something yeah. that will cost yeah. you an absolute fortune. <laughs> uh, will, I, will I Am, as supported as Team GB, Jonathan Ross, Pixie Lott. Uh, and obviously Jamie Oliver and Hugh and Prue and lots and lots of chefs. I mean, there's just this vast list of celebrities. Even Peter Rabbit got behind us last year.
0: Well, uh, you've arrived when Peter Rabbit supports you, I'd say. You yeah, have, I think, right? <laughs> and
1: to a great extent, this is about ITV leveraging its relationships, that it has with a lot of of, yeah. of its own talent. But also, again, it's become an issue that is, is easy for people to support and something people care about
0: yeah yeah most definitely and then just just hit us with a few of the figures because there's some extraordinary figures in terms of uh the numbers of people that have seen the campaign and probably way more significantly the number of of kids that that not not just from the advertising i'm talking here but also the schools initiative but but the number of kids that say they've eaten more veg Give, give us a few numbers
1: yeah so um our tv campaign last year which ran across itv Channel 4 and and various uh, Sky Channels, Channel 5. That reached 46 46 million people. And what it meant is that 87% of households that had kids of a primary school age saw the advert 10 times. On top of that, we secured 2.4 million cinema admissions, adverts before the movies, which were donated by the cinema chains. Uh, And we received some good reach on on, on Google. They gave us a nice ad campaign that went out to about 3 million people. And then the poster companies give us poster sites. And and over the last couple of years, we have have figured 77 million times a person has walked past one of our posters, thanks to the poster companies. So the reach is terrific. Then the schools program is in 1,500 primary schools, which is 425,000 kids. Uh, which is something we hope to grow this year. We would like ultimately to be in every primary school, but we, we've got some journey to go to get that. So we're getting fabulous scale with this project.
0: Incredible stuff! And now for the probably the most important question of all: how many portions of veg are you getting nowadays? And have you have you at least added an extra portion since you've been in this in this
1: role? Uh, uh, yeah, I am. I am a a model of veg consumption um <laughs> where are we today as you and I speak I haven't had my lunch yet and I've I've only had two portions of veg so far today normally I probably had about three but I was a bit of a rush at breakfast Fair time enough. so I like oh, my it's veg mid, it's breakfast. around
0: midday so people know what time we're recording so around t- t- midday t- t- two so in, so in the it, morning it'll it'll okay. be another portion or two I expect for lunch
1: um I mean for me partly because um because I have type 2 diabetes so I have to be very careful about what I eat and it means actually I can't eat an awful lot of things like rice and potatoes and, and pasta. So actually, I make up that missing space on my plate by eating an awful lot more fresh produce and um, pulses and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I'm probably a nine to ten portion of veg and I and I can't eat an awful lot of fruit because it's got too much sugar. So I'm probably nine to ten portions of veg a day. Well, that Something probably that puts you overall. in
0: uh, the top few percent in the country, I would say. But that's it's important. It is important that you practice what you preach, I think. And and that's you know, I'm that's over really delivering good to on
1: that, if not anything else. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I don't know how you you go any higher on that, but but what you will got so what you where you do have some really big ambitions are, are for the next phase of the campaign, and that's all about building a sustainable model, isn't it? So, tell us a bit about the membership approach that you're taking for the next level how's that going to work
1: okay so we've spent the last two years proving that we have a reason to exist right and, and and in truth we two years ago we were met with quite a lot of cynicism as to whether we'd be around for very long and whether the thing wasn't going to deliver any value right and i think we've proved that we're committed to this and that we can deliver some meaningful results right? the um Where that takes us now is we, we sat there and said, well, okay, how are we going to fund this project? So we can go and get millions of pounds worth of free media. We can go and get the celebrity support that is is hard to put a value on. We can go. We've we've raised one point seven million pounds for campaign funding, but every penny of that goes into more kids, more schools, more posters, more whatever it is we're doing. How are we going to fund? the team we need to be able to deliver this in a sustainable way and at a scale that is necessary to have an impact and we concluded that we were very keen to be a whole sector alliance we want everybody involved who stands to benefit so whether you're a grower or an importer or wholesaler the retailers the box schemes the food services companies and going back down the supply chain if, you know if you if you sell seeds or you sell glass houses or, or frankly, you sell banking or insurance services in the horticultural sector, the bottom line is the thing that's going to drive your business more than anything else is people eating more veg. Okay? So we're asking all all those organisations to put in a little, which you've asked for £12,000 a year. And then we've, we've put a 50% discount on that to £6,000 for UK-based growers, because we are very, very keen that UK-based growers sits at the very, very heart of what we do. And so we're very keen to get them on board.
0: Yeah, and it is, it is important. I mean, you, you, you stress that whole sector alliance situation, and, and that's not something we've really had in this sector before, I don't think. But it is, mm. it is important, isn't it, that that, that the growers and, and everybody that's set to benefit actually tries to participate and helps it reach its objectives. It can't all be necessarily on the supermarkets, even though the supermarkets, of course, are the ones with the most money. Everybody needs to, right. to chip in.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing for the supermarkets is – I mean, the supermarkets also give us extra campaign funding so that 1.7 million the vast majority of that has come from supermarkets so they do pay more in effect right by choice this to some extent this partition is about giving us a mandate so if i go and speak to a supermarket and say can we do this the first question they always ask is are the growers supporting it because they want to know that the growers are committed they've got some skin in the game. They are very keen that, commercial, that growers become much more aware of their customers and closer to their customers, understanding what the trends and demands are. And so when you go to a supermarket and say, well, actually, all these growers are supporting it, it's really, you know, they're very, very keen to be involved. Likewise, if we go to governments, we've had funding in the last 12 months. We had a little bit of funding from DEFRA, a little bit of funding from PHE. We want to be able to go to those funding sources and say, look, this we speak with the voice of the whole sector here. Everybody is behind this. Even companies that maybe have had a pretty rough 2020 are putting a little bit of money into the pot here. Please, DEFRA, can you give us a quarter million quid to a seasonal wedge campaign? Uh, to anybody from DEFRA who might happen to be watching this. Um, we've got an argument because of the commitment that everybody else is making. The other thing that makes this an alliance is. You know, we have all these media companies giving us free media space. we have free uh, agencies creating ads and things for free. We have data companies giving their data for free. We have community groups and schools and and all sorts of people at community level who are engaging getting involved in and putting their time and energy for f- in for free. So excluding the schools, there's, there's got to be at least a thousand organizations who give to this project in some form, but there will be an expectation of all those people. The companies that stand to benefit from this commercially are prepared to put some money in to make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. And that, that's a good retort, I suppose, to people that say, well, the campaign's happening anyway, it's already building sales, so why do I need to contribute? And I suppose, well, the simple answer is it's not going to be able to continue at the same level. You, can, you can't ride the free wave forever, can you? You need a bit of uh, core costs covering.
1: Yeah, I mean where we're at at the moment which often surprises people is theoretically i work two and a half days a week on veg power uh, and obviously that equates to somewhere in the region about 50 hours um joe worked one day a week claire works two days a week stephanie works two days a week that's it that's the entire veg power team um it's not really sustainable because we all we all do more hours for free than we get paid for and also we've all you know, I have blagged in every single favor that I have ever earned over the 25-year career from everybody I can find in order to get stuff for free for this yeah. project. Uh, those things are only can run for so long. There's a point in time in which we need a, a, a more solid amount of people involved. We need to give people the proper tools to do their job rather than just bringing it the whole time. Uh, you know, we need to pay for some things occasionally. And to do that and to really grow... And to be around for ten years or fifteen years, or however long it t- this takes, we need to have a, a, a more sensible base in terms of, of funding that organisation.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, an extra selling point I think of this uh, that, that that perhaps we haven't talked about too much yet is the seasonal vegetables thing. It's often been a uh, not a criticism, but just just a way a fact of life that there hasn't been a really good year-round campaign promoting vegetables british vegetables throughout the course of the 12 months or at least i i can't think of one they tend to be specific of course to a certain veg at certain types of year um but that's part of the next phase isn't it to, to have that year-round promotional presence
1: yeah we've certainly got that second string to our bow now so i mean eat and defeat them has to run in february because that's when it fits with them we can get all the support we need to make it possible mm. it's a lousy time of year for seasonal vegetables but there's nothing we can do about it so yeah. What we're trying to do is establish a foundation Those, If we can get kids eating peas and sweet corn and carrots and peppers and things of that nature, then they hopefully will increase their repertoire. But also, they're going to grow up to be people who later in life will be eating asparagus and mushrooms and kale. We now have a second string to our bow that kicked off this summer with a small grant from DEFRA, which is talking about seasonal veg. And we've been featuring a different veg each week, uh, often putting a spotlight on veg that that maybe doesn't normally get into the spotlight, like uh, courgettes and watercress and fennel, and 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 veg that, that perhaps is, is not quite so famous, shall we say. And so far on social media, we what we've managed to do is recruit in on social media, uh, Jamie and Prue who did a whole thing about courgettes and and Hugh and some of the kind of younger, trendy Instagrammers. Uh, you know, Bettina's Kitchen got big, massively behind tomatoes. Uh, And getting those active on social media, and so far, I say we've reached 11.4 million people on social media with that campaign. If if we take Watercrest Week, for example, we work with the AHDB who are running a a project called Watercrest Challenge. And what we did is we went and found 70 good quality social media influencers, people with decent followings, and we sent them all a box of Watercrest and challenged them to do something interesting with it. And that generated a lot of social media traffic in support of that industry initiative now that's just the start my my view is this uh, I, I was recently studying free range eggs and back in 2004 free range eggs were about a third of the uk market by 2019 it was two thirds and i think we could take a similar journey with seasonal veg I think the opportunity is there given climate change given brexit given covid so there is an opportunity to say to people let's make you more aware of what's in season and understanding the benefits of what's in season, including the financial benefits. If you're smart and you buy things at the right time, you will be getting a, a better deal for your money as a, a low-income consumer, plus you'll be getting more nutritious veg and tastier veg. Right? So I think we can empower people to do that at every level from kids through to adults. And I hope that this becomes a big campaign for us that is always on. Uh, it will probably be louder at certain times a year than others. Um, I hope that one day we start seeing more seasonal veg sections inside supermarkets, more seasonal veg logos on side on packages, and perhaps as as the the sort of post Brexit world evolves, we might get to a situation where we talk about seasonal British veg, uh, and encourage people very much to buy locally. That would be that would be a great win, and we'd be excited to do that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. it's always critics of, of, of anything in life. Uh, what do you, there's, there's, there's two points that I guess come up uh, now and again. One is the people that say when they see the Eat Them To Defeat Them campaign that you shouldn't be painting ne- vegetables as as hated things that children can't stand. So that that's the first point. And, and secondly, what, what do you say to the, to the fruit industry, certain, certain uh, figures within which have said, why aren't you promoting all of fresh produce? Why are you focusing just on vegetables? What would you say to those two points?
1: OK, so um, let's do the second one first, because that's easiest. Um, we've looked at this very, very carefully several times through the course of our history so far, of whether we should be doing fruit or, or just veg. And our feeling is that if you're marketing fruit and veg, people end up leaning in towards apples and bananas and berries, because it's considerably easier to market those things and to get kids to eat those things. And veg just always becomes this kind of poor cousin of everything that happens particularly if you talk about, you know, the kind of slightly tougher, less glamorous, less pretty veg. You know, it's a, you might get some marketing for a tomato, but it's pretty hard to get behind a sweet. Right. Um, we, we don't want to fall into that trap again. We want to make veg the, the most celebrated and uh, product in fresh produce. And also, frankly, it is the area of absolute greatest need: veg consumption. Veg gives you things you can't get from fruit. It's the essential part of your diet, and the consumption figures are terrible. Uh, but but uh, just an add on to that, what I hope we can see ourselves over the next few years being like best mates of fruit is the way I would see it. And I think there are things where we can collaborate with the organizations that represent fruit uh, towards some common goals. And I hope that's something we will see happen next year and beyond. In answer to the creative question, when we started this process, we did two things. We asked lots of people with expertise in different areas, whether they were might be school caterers, or child psychologists, or, or chefs, or lots of different people, one simple question, which is, why don't kids eat veg? We also went and asked a whole bunch of kids as well. And we came back with the thing that said, what's happening here is that lots of kids think that vegetables are boring, even disgusting. It even goes so far as that vegetables are a bit of a currency in an ongoing battle with their parents. That says, if you eat, your veg, you're kind of losing. And lots of kids don't like vegetables before they go into their mouth. And that means there's a cultural thing rather than a taste thing. We also notice the amount of negative representation of vegetables in the media, particularly sort of those kind of children's cartoons where it goes, "Yeah, broccoli. And that's kind of where the kids are at. Then next to that, all the campaigns that people have done, they've gone, veg are delicious, they're really good for you, and look at this kind of happy farmer with a basket of veggies. All those campaigns, they've never worked, any of them. So we said, well, actually, there's some basic common rules when it comes to marketing something, is if you're taking people on a journey from A to B, A to Z, you have to start at A. Even if you don't like what A is, you have to start at A. If you start at Z, it's too far away from people who are at A for them to be able to relate to what you're saying. The second thing that we that I've learned in my work that I've done for, for many big consumer brands is that when you're talking to kids, you have to have fun. So most kids, primary school age kids, their life is how much fun am I having now? Not how do I avoid cancer when I'm 60? Right? Uh, so unless you're talking about how much fun am I having now, you won't get their attention. So they're disgusting. That's their view. How much fun can we have with it? And then the the third part is children of that age have a remarkable ability to immerse themselves in the story. So before about five, they think that Teletubbies really exist. By about five, they understand that fairies and unicorns and dragons and things like this are not real. They're there for play. And by the time they get to their teens, the ability to immerse ourselves into fantasy gets somewhat diminished as we we start to think more about that that cute-looking person on the other side of the room. So kids have this amazing ability to immerse themselves in fantasy and play with it. So when they eat and defeat them, they totally get that it's a ruse. They know it's a joke, that's funny, and they love it when parents engage with a joke and, and fold themselves into the fantasy as much as the kids do. And but they play along with the fantasy because it's it's a game, it's funny, and therefore they eat veg. And hopefully at that point in time they realize that they're not quite as disgusting as they first thought. And actually, all the other kids are eating veg. And actually, the normal thing to do is to eat veg. So it's an interesting part of psychology. It was a massive, massive risk two years ago. But since then, it's won pretty much every award that's out there. It's won over the vast majority of people who two years ago thought that we were doing a terrible thing. And more importantly, we've driven £63 million worth of additional sales Five hundred and seventeen million additional portions of veg consumed, so it works.
0: Yeah, the proof is in the pudding—a vegetable-flavoured pudding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, it's delicious. It's the sort of thing they serve up at those uh, five-star London hotels, and you look at it on the menu and you think, it just bring no. some ice cream. <laughs> no, I mean, I I
1: love vegetables, but if I'm having a dessert, I don't really yeah. expect to feature massively. <laughs>
0: Although, carrot cake, I can get on board with that. Um, Yeah. There's some quite sobering statistics, really, about about the number of, the the proportion of kids who don't even get a single portion of veg a day. Um, In those cases, I guess it's, you know, you're talking a a societal problem, a, a familial problem. Deep rooted issues. Can, can can this campaign even make headway with 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 those kids and those families that aren't even managing to to get any vegetables at all?
1: Yes, I mean, uh, it would be very wrong to think there's a one size fits all problem here. There are people from, uh, you know, families that are relatively well off and have a relatively comfortable life uh, where the kids eat some veg, but they're just not eating enough. And we want to support them. Of course we do. We also then have people in, with really very serious challenges. You know, as the Marcus Rashford campaign has showed, there are there are sadly millions of children in this country who live in huge food insecurity, terrible poverty, and actually their parents about, well, can I just get some food on the table? And if you give me a voucher for veggies, I'll buy veggies. If you just give me money, actually I'll go and buy whatever has got the most amount of calories in it at a low cost and the stores in my area don't sell much fresh produce anywhere and i can't afford the bus fare and a whole gamut of of, of projects of, of problems veg power to some extent at that hardest and most acute end uh, yeah it's very hard for veg power to fix that because the, fundamentally the core problem those people face is serious levels of poverty somebody in a bed sit who's only got a kettle to cook with is a very hard family for veg power to help but hopefully things like the Market Rashad campaign, which is, is is very much coming out of our system organization. The Food Foundation helps with that. But what we're really interested in is that kind of bracket who who actually, you know, they can, they have to be savvy with their money, but they can afford to put vegetables on the table, but they don't, but actually it's a struggle for them to see those vegetables go into the bin, so they're very cautious. Um, they might be people who, are, you know, they are shopping at the, on a tighter budget and they've got kids, uh, and that audience will see there's there will be lots of people eating low volumes of vegetables. Unfortunately, sadly, there is a big correlation between low vegetable consumption and, and, and means. There's a, there's a big correlation between low vegetable consumption and childhood obesity. There's a big correlation between low vegetable consumption and uh, low levels of physical activity. And there is a group within our society of kids who, unfortunately, are struggling with all those things at the same time. And that is a group that is probably of greatest importance to us uh, that we can, because it is a large, it is is many millions of people. You know, as I say, a a third of kids are eating less than one portion a day. It's that third that we care about the most. We want to talk to everybody. We want to solve it for everybody. That If we can get a kid who eats maybe three portions of veg a week to be eating one portion of veg a day, the benefits to society and the benefits to the horticultural industry
0: are absolutely huge. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely wonderful objective, and I can see how how passionate you are, and, and you and you have to be. But you are. It's, it's not it's not just a job for you. And in fact, looking at your CV, I see that, that recently that you were trustee of an anti-bullying charity. Is this something that that's come to you later in life, a desire to I don't know, give something back to society, improve society, and 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 make a positive difference.
1: It actually, I blame a friend of mine for ruining my ability to earn a decent living, actually. Uh, he <laughs> said to me, he said to me an interesting line, he said, the greatest minds of our generation are dedicated to get someone to click. And I sat there and thought, oh God, you know what? I was I was blessed with a pretty good brain. Um, I was given a great education, a great family background, thanks to my parents, and You know, I I have worked pretty hard. I've probably been a bit of a workaholic for most of my working life. And I said, I thought, wow, all of that. And what did I do? I got people to buy more burgers, buy more Cokes, buy more, more car insurance or holidays or banking services, whatever it may be. And I went, that's an immense amount of, is that my epitaph? Is that an immense amount of my given life force, my time here and the energy that I will have? Am I kind of, Building the story of human existence up to a higher place, or am I just sitting there making sure I can afford another holiday? And and I had a bit of an epiphany about all that. And you know, I was middle aged, and you get a, you know midlife crisis. I got a sports car at some point as well. You know, and got, a, got, a, got a got a got a sports car which is gone now, and a conscious which I think is probably stayed. Um, <laughs> And so I was sitting there going, well, I need to do something with my life that has some purpose. And I joined the, the, the bullying charity because it was kind of there at the moment when I do that. But it wasn't really a natural fit for, for me or for my natural skills. And so when I started then getting involved in Sugar Smart and Veg Power, I find myself in this perfect place where I'm doing something that I'm actually good at and I really enjoy that actually is, is hopefully making the world a better place. And that is just an incredibly fulfilling place, and I, I would suggest to anybody to try and find that because it just makes you feel great. Yeah,
0: yeah, fabulous. So when you aren't working uh, fifty hours in two and a half days, what what do you do to unwind? It must must be stressful trying to pull all this stuff together. What what, what do you do to switch off from it?
1: I have. I'll, I'll try and remember the answer to that. Let me have a look at my photo album. I mean, I ha- I have an eleven-year-old boy. Um, who is obviously like everybody, he's the light in my life. And so the more time I can spend doing stuff with him and the more time I can spend dragging him away from the telly and getting him out into the countryside. I mean, my wife and I are, you know, uh, we're people, if we get a dream holiday, we'll be heading off to a mountain somewhere to go and climb it or, uh, you know, out to the countryside or out to some national park or forest is the thing we'd like to do the most. So dragging my son out into the... The national parks in the Sussex countryside will be well up there. We've also just taken on a Labrador puppy. Ooh. So um, getting him out there as well. But amazing, really, there is nothing finer than a lovely walk outside with your family on a summer's day. God, I do sound like a 51 year old man now.
0: But <laughs> well, you don't look like a 51 year old man. So that's Thank the, that's the good, good thing about it. Um, Dan, that's pretty much all we got time for. It's, it's a fabulous campaign. I certainly urge everybody to get involved and support its objectives where can they go to find out more information
1: thank you uh well vegpower.org.uk would be the the home of the information and then uh follow us on twitter where we're, we're always talking about all the things we're doing and what our partners are doing and other members of the alliance and that is vegpower.uk on all social media platforms.
0: Great stuff. Well, it's been brilliant to hear all about it and we we can't wait to, to watch and see how it progresses over the years and wish you all the best with it. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Michael.